Welcome to Axios Church Online. We're so excited you had joined us here on our online campus. We hope this message encouraged you and uplift you throughout your week. Enjoy this message. Listen, there's, there is two groups in this church. There's those that can sing and those that can't. And I am a part of the group that can't, so I will uh, not sing. I will not uh, hurt you guys. I will not tarnish your image of me, but I can't sing. Uh, so anytime the worship team gets up here and just kills it on a weekly basis, I have the utmost adoration, uh, respect, gratitude for each and every single one of them, uh, from keys to drums to voices, guitar players. I mean, you name it, you guys sound good. I, I was telling Judex. Uh, this morning is he knows he's good on the keys, right? But playing the keys isn't for him. Him playing the keys is for those that can't play the keys, okay? Him playing the keys is to usher us into the presence of God, amen? And, and so, so Judex, I appreciate you. Uh, don't go far. I'll need you here in a hot minute uh, to make me sound super spiritual. Uh, but, but at heart, I am a youth pastor, so I will try to be quick. I won't keep you as long as Pastor Eric does. Uh, but uh, maybe I will. Who knows? Uh, he ain't here, so I can talk about him. If you're watching, Pastor, uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Uh, I am definitely fired come Tuesday, y'all. But, uh, but as you can tell, Pastor Eric, Pastor Jess are not with us today. They are busy being parents, and we celebrate that. We support that. We champion that because uh, family is the first form of ministry, and we believe uh, that they are out there supporting, encouraging, equipping, praying for. Listen, I heard about some of the games yesterday, and Pastor had to pray, okay? He had to pray and pray and pray some more. Uh, but Elijah, Caleb, Los, if y'all are watching this, y'all better go out there, show out. I know y'all got a tournament here in like, uh, you probably already started actually. It's 11 o'clock, their, their game started. Uh, but always remember this, is that you need to uh, play fast, play hard, great sportsmanship, and always have fun. We love you guys. We're championing you. We are supporting you as well. You got a whole church uh, that is supporting you as well. But this morning, church, as I get started, can I ask a question? Where did the month of January go? Like, listen, y'all, it's February already. Okay, it's 2024. I was like, I just remember celebrating Christmas, and then we had, like, New Year's Day and all that. But we're in February already. And what is February? The month of love. Come on. Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't got no love in your bones. It's, it's all right. Love, uh, love, love. So this uh, month, uh, we are going to be starting a series called love story. And for all you Swifties out there, I'm not talking about her album. I'm not talking about anything. Listen, I'm praying that the Niners win the Super Bowl. Nothing against Taylor Swift. I just don't like the Chiefs, okay? But I know she follows with them and everything else right now. But the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. If you say other words, you're probably right. But nonetheless, is that we are going to be taking love stories throughout the Bible uh, and talking about them and how they really makes sense in a biblical and a practical way uh, in our lives as well. And maybe this message is, is just for me uh, today, but I believe that God has given me a word uh, that will speak to our lives today. But before we get started, I need a favor. I need the fellas in the room to look at your lady, look at, find a lady in the room if you didn't bring somebody, find a mama in this room right now and tell her she looks good. She looks pretty today. She's doing a great job. Come on, fellas. Listen. Come on. Come on. We could. Fellas, listen. We got we to gotta, we gotta lead by example. We got to love on these ladies because if we don't, somebody else will, okay? 
So we got to love on our, uh, we got to love on our mamas. We got to love on our, our spouses, our wives, everything else like that. Fellas, I'm going to give you a task for the entire duration of our, of my message today. Hold your lady's hand. Listen, okay. Hey, I, I'm going to stay over here with that one. Hold your ladies, but hold on, listen now. Hold on, fellas, I got y'all, listen. Um, I am one with y'all. Ladies, you are not exempt from this either, okay? Come on now. Ladies, look at your man and tell him he looks awfully strong today. Tell him he looks handsome. Tell him that beard's coming in nice. Give him some compliments. Listen, love goes, love goes both ways, okay? We got, we got, listen, a merry heart doeth good like medicine, okay? It's okay. I'm, I'm going to be a little personal. I'm, I told Hannah that I wouldn't pick on her too much. But Hannah's grandparents, y'all, listen. They can make you sick with love, okay? They can, oh yeah, until they start calling each other sugar booger and hunka hunka burning love and all this stuff. It's cute. It's cute. Don't get me wrong. It's kind of contagious, right? You be, they, they just one-up each other all the time. He'll, he'll be like, uh, you know, her name's Linda. He'll be like, you know, Linda, mom, baby, you look so good today. And then she turns around and looks back at him. She goes, ooh, Danny, you're so strong. He's got his cane, and he's like walking across the set. Listen, if y'all are watching this, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. But, uh, be, but love is contagious. And when you get around them, it's just something about it that it just spews into other people. And we need to be a church that shows that we love one another. Amen. Because if we love one another in here and we love our coworkers or we love our friends or we love our community outside of that, eventually it'll catch on and it'll be contagious into all the community. Amen. There's, there's two words, fellas, that I'm going to impart some wisdom uh, in your lives this morning that were imparted upon me eight years ago, nine years ago, when I got ready to marry my wife. They had been married for approximately 57 years, our, these mentors of ours. They've been married for like some 50 years, 57 years, something like that. And he, said, he says, Ryan, the two best words you can learn in your marriage, and I'm thinking like, love you, or I do, something else like that. He looks at me as serious as you could, and he says, yes, dear. Listen, I'm not up here to give y'all love advice today, okay? Love story. Fellas, yes, dear. We'll get you a lot further than uh, anything else. And a compliment followed up by that can get you really far. Amen? Come on now. So I got some ladies that are like, he's, he's talking to my husband. I'm not. I'm talking to myself. I'm not pointing any fingers today. But nonetheless, love story. So let's jump right into it. What are we going to talk about Today, what is my message around? We're going to talk about Samson and Delilah. And if you don't know anything about Samson and Delilah, you came to the right church today because I'm going to preach. I'm going to teach you about Samson and Delilah. So I'm going to do a little bit of lengthy reading. Uh, so just bear with me. Uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to Judges chapter 16. Uh, we're going to start in verse 4. But we have to understand a little bit here about this. I'm going to read this. Uh, in its context, I might stop and give you guys a kind of a couple pointers that I want you to circle or highlight as we go. But I want us to, to really understand this story in its entirety. So starting in verse 4, it says, Sometime later, speaking of Samson, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And it says, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him, each one of us 
we'll give you 1,100 shekels of silver. I will circle back to that in a minute. I will break that down, how my brain works, but just follow me for a second. So verse 6 says, So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, If anyone ties me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. So the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried out, and she tied him with them. With the men hidden in the room, she called to them, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string, uh, string snaps when it has come uh, close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. We got to pause here for a second. I got to give you a little bit of context or understanding of who Samson is at this point in time. Uh, Samson is like John Wick before John Wick, okay? He was like Hercules before Hercules. He was like Denzel Washington and the Equalizer before Denzel Washington. Listen, I don't know if y'all can tell, but I'm like an action movie kind of person, like rough and tough. But, but that is who Samson was. So they're trying to figure out the secret uh, to his great strength. And so verse 10 uh, goes back and it says, Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come on now, tell me how you can be tied. He said, If anyone ties me securely... With new ropes that have never been used, then I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took the new ropes and tied him with them. Then with the men hidden in the room, again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Listen, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, I shouldn't be getting fooled again, okay? Listen. Samson is the definition here of all brew and no brains. Okay, listen, my man, you just got tricked and said something, and she showed you otherwise. She showed you fruit that probably wasn't good fruit, and yet you still went back. I'm not preaching. This ain't part of my message. I'm... So, so here is a situation that happens. Hey, baby, listen, tell me what is the secret to your great strength. Oh, tie me up, do this, yada, 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 and then I won't be strong no more. She uses that against him, and he was still dumb enough to go right back and tell her again. Follow me. Verse 13, Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. She's now making it her fault. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric of the loom and tighten it with the pen, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his hair, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pen. Again, she called to, called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pen and the loom with the fabric. Verse 15 says that then she said to him, how can you say I love you? When you won't confide in me. This is the third time that you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret to your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. I believe this. Once, twice is a character trait. Or character flaw, I'm sorry. Three, four, 
five, six times, that's your character trait. So if, hey, maybe one time I told a little white lie, everything else, like that, and I'm not promoting lying, do not lie, be honest, be truthful with each other. But once, twice, maybe my, my, my character was a little low. Maybe when I was in a time where I wasn't as right with God as I needed to be. But you tell me three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. No, that's just who you are. Let's, let's be accountable for a second. Let, let, let's do some self-inventory. If you're doing this over and over and over and over and over again, that is who you are. You don't want to change. You like to be in the comfort zone. So 16, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. 17 says, so he told her everything. No razor has been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned, this time with silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep and thought that he will I'll go out just as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And so it says the Philistines seized him. They gouged out his eyes and they took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to begin grinding grain in the prison. But the hair, listen to this, y'all. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. So what do we know? We know the story of Samson now. If anything, it tells us that they had a toxic love story. They had a manipulative love story to where somebody was just desiring more out of someone, the other, in hopes of a little something on the side. But I'm not up here today to talk to you about the tragic love story, the toxic love story about how uh, Delilah betrayed Samson. I'm here today to talk to you about motives. What are your motives behind your relationships? What are your motives behind your marriage? What are your motives behind your desire for leadership? What are your motives at your job? What are your motives with your kids? What are your motives in your life? And so the first point I would make to you guys today is going to be about the Philistines. You see, the Philistines were motivated by power. We have to understand, we have to back up, we have to understand why the Philistines had such a desire for power and control over Samson. Why? Why all of a sudden do you want to have control over this man? Yeah, he's strong. So what? But for 40 years, the Philistines had ruled Israel. And all of a sudden, one day comes knocking this great man of Samson. We can read story 
after story about Samson and how great he was and how strong he was and his brute strength and his just ability to persevere in certain situations. But why did the Philistines want the power and control over Samson? I believe this. I believe that the Philistines' desire for that, their motive for power, is ultimately what led them to self-destruction. So let's back up. Let's understand the aggression, where this root anger stems from with the Philistines. So we're going to jump into Judges chapter 14 uh, in the first four verses there, verses 4 and 5. It'll tell us this. It says, so he went out and he caught 300 foxes and he tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair, pair of tails, lit the torches, and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. So the Philistines had total control. They had total power. They owned the promised land of Israel. And there is a man now on the rise threatening to take that back from them, to take what God has rightfully promised to his people. This here, it tells us that he takes foxes and he essentially burns all of their crops, all of their food, their source of, of life and everything else like that. He burns it as a, a sign that I'm coming for you. But it doesn't stop there. Let's continue to read on. And I, this one, listen, this one hits a little home for me because I'm like a girl dad now. And yeah, she's only a year old. I feel sorry for them boys that come to try to talk to my, my daughter one day. Like, it's going to be rough. Listen, I will, listen, y'all better pray for me. Y'all better pray for her because first boy that comes knocking, like, whatever. Moving on, though. Here is Samson, and he's going, and he's Hercules, Rico Suave, whatever you want to call him. He's got it all figured out. He's got the muscles. He's got the looks. He's already created the reputation for him. I'm sure he was the talk around town. And he could have had just about any person for a wife that he probably wanted to. But what does he do? He says he goes and he wants a Philistine woman. First of all, y'all, hold up. Back up. You can have any little girl that you want, just not my little girl. That's, that's dad mode kicking in, okay? Uh, Mr. Sam, am I, am I right? Like, back up. Mr. Sam's like, yeah, back up. Don't, don't talk to my daughter like that. That's just how it, that works. Don't talk to my little girl like that. So I'm, I'm assuming this is how my brain works. Follow me for just a second. Is that the Philistines probably felt some type of way because he was trying to marry one of their people, one of their women. Listen, this Y'all got to read the Bible with a little bit of sense of humor sometimes and understanding and creativity, everything else like that. Judges chapter 15, verse 15. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand of their men. My man just killed a thousand people with a jawbone of a donkey. And then has the audacity to brag about it. Yo, I just killed them with a jawbone of a donkey. They must be donkeys. Like literally, my man was smack talking. So here we are. Not only did you just kill a thousand of my people, 
you just burned all my crops, all my grain, and you're trying to marry one of our own? Nah, we don't like this guy. So the Philistines were a little extra motivated. They were a little bit extra incentivized to take uh, power and control over Samson. He was attempting to overthrow them. But I think, it, I think it's crucial that we have to understand this. Verse 10 reads this. It says, the people of Judah asked the Philistines, why have you come to fight us? They said, we have come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him as he did to us. The Philistines made it very clear what their intentions were. They made it very clear what they were trying to do and why they were motivated by power. But I'm here to tell you today, the enemy don't always work like that in your life. He will not always set his motives clear. He will not always tell you, he won't stand at the door and knock and be like, hey, are you here today? Is it a good day to interrupt you? He don't work like that. When everything seems like it's going good, that's when he's going to show up. When everything seems like it's going bad already, that's when he's really going to show up. Anybody, when it rains, it pours, amen? Listen, y'all, I've had a bad battery this week. I've had a flat tire this week. I almost ran out of gas this week. There's been a bunch of things that happen. When it rains, it pours, but nobody came knocking and said, hey, I, I want to let you know this is what I'm going to do. But the Philistines did. They said, they said, guys, listen, we're going to come, and we're going to take Samson prisoner, and we were going to do everything that he's done to us. But the moment you allow the desire for power, the desire for control, that pride, that ego to set into your lives, you now become like the Philistines. When we look at our coworkers, when we look at those family members that we have, that person that comes up to the altar every single Sunday asking for prayer. And we, we begin to har harbor these, these bad feelings about them, thinking that, oh, I can do better. I can do more. I'm a better leader in this case. or I can do better here. I can control more here. I can show my power here more in this season. And in this case, we begin to alter what God is really trying to do in our lives. Number two, I'm going to move on. Motivated by greed. I'm not going to say, I don't know if I can say this from up here. Miss Stacy, I might be wrong for this. I'm not going to say that Delilah was a gold digger, okay? I don't know. I might have to like step a little away from that. I don't know if that's like appropriate to say up here. I'm not saying she was a gold digger, but listen, had she just been like a little bit more patient and not sought after some money, I'm sure she probably would have had a pretty good. The Bible says that, the, uh, that Samson loved her. Here is this man on the verge of breakthrough, of changing the dynamic of, and the landscape of the world forever. And you get motivated by greed because somebody wants to throw a little bit of money in your face. Like, yo, listen, she would have been set for life. Listen, you got the man that just overcame the Philistines, that took you out of 40 years of bondage, and you threw it away for some 1,100 shekels of silver. This is how my brain works. Listen, y'all, I know it's probably weird. But I had to start doing some math. 
Okay, I'm a numbers guy. Make it make sense to me. 1,100 shekels. What is 1,100 shekels in today's day and age? Silver breaks down to about 13 grams, kilograms. That is $9,636. $9,636. I'm like, there ain't no way for sure Delilah threw her life away for $9,636. Ain't no way. So I started reading a little bit more. I was like, okay, hold on. Let me. There was something that I caught earlier. The Bible says that there was multiple rulers that approached her. It wasn't just one single ruler. So each one of them would give her 1,100 shekels, 1,100 shekels, $9,636. So to be more accurate, you jump back to Judges chapter 3, verse 3. It says the five rulers of the Philistines, and it goes and tells you the land of them, the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites, the Lebanon mountains from the mountain of Baal, Hermon to Lebo Hameth. So there's five rulers of the Philistines, each one of them promising to give her 1,100 shekels, $9,636. So what does that break down to? That breaks down to $48,180. Delilah threw her life away for 50 grand. Delilah threw, and I don't want to get ahead of myself and tell you all the rest of the story of what happened. She threw 3,000 of her own people away for $50,000. All because of a little bit of greed. A little bit of temptation. They say, hey. Listen, how about you go and, and just tempt him a little bit? Get him to share his story of, uh, or his secret of strength with us. I think all of us tend to get ahead of ourselves a little bit. Had Delilah been patient to the plan, had Delilah been patient to the calling, who knows what the course of history would look like today? If I'm honest, I'm going to be a little transparent with you guys for a second. I am a horrible, I wouldn't say road rager. Road rage might be a little bad, okay? I don't, I won't cuss you out, uh, but I do drive a little fast. Uh, I do like, I don't like to get stuck behind people that are going the speed limit in the fast lane, like move over to the slow lane. But anytime I go anywhere, and I don't know why, even if I know where I'm going, I have a tendency to put the directions on. Okay, and you put the directions on and everything else, and it'll give you an ETA, an estimated time arrival. It'll say, you should be getting to this point at this time safely. Challenge accepted, 100%. Listen, if I beat it by two minutes, I'm good. If I beat it by five minutes, ten minutes, we are living. I know better than GPS does. I am smarter than some AI, and I got it all together. But sometimes, there has been times where I have failed that challenge. It'll say 926, and I'm like, I could go this way and cut across and then take this light and this side street, and now it's like 947, and I'm there. I'm like, how did this trip get 21 minutes longer? Like, it's like driving from the north side to the south side of town. It is horrible. But we tend to do that in our own lives, where we seem to think that God has given us a vision and we can go the route faster than what God is calling us to get there. 
I have a vision and a promise for you. Thanks, God. I don't need your help the rest of the way. God, I know you have a calling and a purpose in my life, but I'm going to do it without the author and finisher of my faith. I'm going to do it without the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I can do it without you, God. That's kind of where Delilah was. I can do it without you. I do a little bit of greed. Listen, you throw a little bit of money my way, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. I know you've got a plan for Samson. I know that he's been called by God. I know all of these things, but you know what? We don't need you anymore. We got it from here, God. Because we allowed a little bit of greed to sink into our lives. How many of us does that greed cost us our families? Does it cost us our marriages? Does it cost us our friends and our relationships with others? Because we say, oh, it's just a little bit of overtime. Oh, it's just an extra hour here. It's just an extra hour there. Oh, it's okay if I, I, if I stay and work that shift because somebody else called out and didn't want to do it, even though I had already promised my kid I'd take him to the park today. Oh, it's okay if I know that I need to do my studies and my devos and I need to make sure that I'm right with, with God and make sure that I spend my prayer time, but it's okay, I'll put Instagram in front of it. It's okay if I'll spend a little bit more time on social media instead of in, in my prayer life because we desire and we're motivated by greed. Number three, motivated by God. I love what it says. It says, it, it talks about how they gouged out Samson's eyes and then made him perform and do tasks as if he was some sort of circus animal some sort of puppet that they could do whatever they wanted with. But let's back up before we get there. Let's go to the beginning of Samson, the promise of Samson in Judges chapter 13, verse 5. Judex, if you would, please. Judges 13, verse 5 says, it says, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is to never be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. And he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Here we are, three chapters, 40 years some time has gone by to where the promise of God was being birthed. Where an angel of the Lord appears to Samson's mother in a field and says, listen, I know the situation and the season you're in in life right now. I know you're barren. I know you're childless. But rest assured, you're going to give birth to a great son Here's some rules that I need you to follow. Stay pure. Stay clean. The angel of the Lord tells uh, Samson's mother, don't drink from this. Don't drink from that. Don't do this. But ultimately, most importantly, never allow a razor to touch his head. Because in your son, because in this promise, he is going to begin to create a cultural shift. 
he's going to begin to set his people free from bondage, from slavery. Everything that you have known will be changed through the birth of Samson. There's no doubt in my mind that growing up, Samson had some godly parents. He had some godly grandparents. He had some godly friends that surrounded him and taught him and led him the right way. When life was hard, growing up, being the popular one, having all this strength, becoming the talk of the town, Simpson had been motivated by God. Just as his parents were motivated by God. But the Bible tells us that as one last cry, one last ditch effort, Samson positioned himself in between two pillars where he could get into the presence of God, where he could begin to get his battle cry out to the Lord, his cry for mercy one last time. in a season that was horrible for Samson, in a season that would have probably broke most of us. Samson does what only Samson knows how to do. And he says, God, listen, I need one more strength. Give me one more chance. If you hear me, God, I, I, my eyeballs have been gouged out. I've been having to perform like a circus animal. I've been having to tend to their crops and do all of these other things. God, I know that this isn't what you've t called me and, and planned for my life, God. Give me one last push of strength. In some of us, that's our lives. We know that God has given us a vision or a calling in our lives an anointing in our lives. Maybe it's not to be up here and preach or, or to play the keys or to sing, but maybe it's to be a good friend. Maybe it's to be a good husband. Maybe it's to be a good father. Maybe it's to be a good mother. Maybe it's to be a good spiritual mother to somebody. Maybe it's somebody at our workplace that has never experienced the love and the goodness of Jesus Christ, and that is what your calling is to do. but we allow life to life. In this story, never do we hear that God promised Samson the road would be easy. Never do we hear that Samson was promised that he would just walk uh, this easy life filled with sunshine and rainbows and butterflies and, and all of these great joyous things. But he went through some things in his life that changed his character, that challenged him, that stretched him, but it didn't change him. It didn't change the fact that he was motivated by God, that he grew up with parents, a family that loved God, and heard from the Lord. So I imagine this is what Samson's cry would have been. 
in those times. God, I know that there's hope when I'm hopeless. God, I know that there's light in the darkness. God, there's peace when I'm restless. There's grace when I'm anxious. There's joy when I'm brokenhearted. Ultimately, God, I know that there is power in your name. He found a way to motivate himself to be in the presence of God. For it's when you speak that we're still. It's when you speak that you draw us in. For it's where you are is where we will remain. Miss Stacy, if I can borrow you for just a second. Mr. Sam, can I borrow you for just a second as well? I'm going to use you guys. I'm going to put one on each side of me, if you will, Miss, Miss Stacy. I imagine in this moment when Samson is down and out, his eyes are gouged out. Come this way. And he begins to prop himself up against a pillar. It wasn't just because his legs were weak. It wasn't because he wanted to find a spot just to rest and to hang out, but the pillar symbolized strength. So what does Samson do? He grabs a pillar, he grabs a pillar, and he says, God, hold me up, God. It's not for me. God, it's for you. God, you have called me. You have equipped me, God. God, and these pillars are examples, God, that these pillars are testaments that you have created something in me, God, that you would bring to fulfillment. Why did I use Mr. Sam and Miss Stacy? Because they are parents who symbolize the love of God, the strength, the commitment to keep pushing forward. If there's anybody in this church that you will know that will pray for you and intercede on your behalf like no other, it is these two people right here. If you want to get to the throne room of God, if you need a little bit of help, a little bit of strength, you can lean on Mr. Sam. If you need a little bit, ladies, if you need a little bit of help, God, help me in this situation where I need a, a woman to relate to. I need a little bit of help. Miss Stacy can do that. She is a pillar. Thank you, guys. We are to surround ourselves with pillars, with examples of strength, of dignity, of support. Miss Janira is another one of those. Miss Janira, you guys don't know this, but Miss Janira will send out a text almost daily to us, encouraging us, praying for us, loving on us, even in the midst of her own season and her own life and the things that she has going on. She's still a pillar of strength. And Samson knew that in that moment, my life, I messed up. I shared a secret. I allowed something to happen that shouldn't have happened. But you know what? I'm going back to a place of surrender. I'm going back to a place where I'm going to give it all to God. And in closing, I'm going to leave you with this. I believe that God has called, has given us a vision, has given us a passion in each and every single one of our lives. 
And it's different from the person sitting next to you. But we've done one of two things with that vision. We've allowed our motives to kind of navigate that vision, that calling, that anointing. We have allowed the the desires of our own hearts to get in the way of some of those things. But I believe this, is that God has called, planted, uh, sown a seed, given a vision, given a purpose or whatever, a passion. And you've done one of two things with it. You've either buried it because you're scared of it or you've planted it because it motivates you. God has called each and every single one of us to be doers, to love one another, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we get in our own way. In this love story, Samson and Delilah, we see that Samson wanted God. And maybe was it for ego? Was it for pride? Because he knew he was all that. But ultimately, Samson didn't forget where his strength came from. He turns back and he says to God, Give me one last push of strength. And what does he do? It says that he pushed and he pushed and he pushed. And the towers came down, crushing himself and 3,000 of the Philistines that day. The Philistines were motivated by power. Delilah was motivated by greed. And Samson was motivated by God. My question to you today is this. What motivates you? I'm not telling you to not have goals, to not have dreams. I'm not telling you to not provide for your family because those are all honorable things. You have to do those things. But are you putting yourself in the way of what God is trying to do in your life? Are you putting yourself in a position to where you're getting somewhere faster than what God has called you to be there? Are you doing something that God has called you not to do in this day and in this time? Because you're motivated by something other than him. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. I want us to do a little bit of inventory for a second. Self-recognition. If we would really search ourselves and why we do what we do. Would we say that we're motivated by God? Are we motivated by power? Are we motivated by greed? 
Are we motivated by control? What are we motivated by? My prayer, my desire today would be that you would become motivated by God. Restore the passion and the calling in your life that God has already bestowed upon you. So as we pray this, I encourage everyone to pray with me. Dear God, thank you for this opportunity, God. That we can be used by you. God, that we're not going to accelerate what you've already called in our lives. But God, we're going to wait on your timing. We're not going to allow some money. We're not going to allow some job title. We're not going to allow something that we see on the internet or social media pull us in a way that isn't to be used by you. God, that calling, that vision, that talent, that dream that you've placed in our lives, God. Today we plant it because we're motivated by it. We're not burying, we're not hiding, we're not putting away. God, we're planting it. For God, that when we plant what you have given us, the fruit will begin to multiply. The fruit will begin to grow. God, that our character will stay unchanged. God, that we will stand steadfast and the calling that you have for our lives. God, I pray over each and every single person here this morning, God. God, that you would begin to make a way in their lives where maybe their motivation, their desire, their longing for is running a little low. God, if they would just position themselves in between a pillar of strength, and just cry out to you, God. God, I know you're my hope when I'm hopeless. God, I know you're my strength when I'm broken. God, I know you're my peace when I'm anxious. I might be down, God, but I'm not defeated. Still use me, God. Let that be our cry today. Let that be our heart's posture today. Use me. Motivate me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wasn't that an amazing message? If you'd like to help partner with us to push this mission forward here in Lakeland, Florida, you can go to axioschurch.com, and in the giving tab, you can give a one-time donation or a recurring gift. We are so thankful for all of you that have decided to join us this morning. We meet every Sunday, and we can't wait to see you next time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, turn on your post notifications, make sure you're tuned in to everything the Axios Church has to offer.